Shalom and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. Well, today we're going to be talking about Passover and specifically even Passover for the year 2020, uh, but really just Passover in general. And today I wanted to share with you some interesting thoughts, um, but I want to, to give a disclaimer before we get started. And the disclaimer is simply this. My intention is not to make a prediction or to, uh, or to date set or to do any of those kind of things. The goal of the information I'm going to share with you this morning is simply to raise questions and to say, what if? And to say, the, you know, this aspect is fairly interesting. So what if there's something to it? Uh, that's the idea. That's the plan. Um, also to just kind of show you some things about Passover that maybe you haven't heard before or um, uh, maybe you've forgotten. And so that's the goal for this morning. Now I've created an ebook uh, that you can have for free um, called Passover 2020. Could this be the year of the next great exodus? And uh, I sent out an email over yesterday and I put a post on Facebook with the link for everybody to download the book for this morning so that you could read through it uh, with me if you wanted to. If you haven't done that yet and you're at home, feel free to pause the podcast and uh, you can just go to the website. And if you're watching the video, I'm actually doing full video for once. Uh, we'll see how this works out. Uh, but if you go to the website and you just go to the blog, um, right here, Passover 2020. All you need to do is go down to the bottom and right here where it says download. You can download it for free. Um, if you're a Kindle person, there is a Kindle version in the Amazon store for 99 cents. Uh, but you can just click right here. Even on a cell phone, if you download it right here, it pulls right up and looks really nice even on a cell phone for free. So uh, feel free to, to take advantage of that. So if you, ha if you don't have that yet, um, you can do that, or you can just kind of hang out. Uh, basically, I'm going to read it to you, um, kind of audiobook style. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, but just like with the podcast, typically, I'll, if I have an th extra thought to share, I will, uh, but I may not. And so that's what's on the agenda for this morning, and I, I'm hoping and praying that it's going to be a great blessing uh, to all of you. Before I get into that, I want to just encourage you and uh, just read from the Psalms. I want to read Psalm 91 to you this morning, uh, just to kind of encourage you and to remind you of who God is and that He has our best interest at heart. And um, we all need that encouragement with the way things are going right now. and We need that reminder uh, that... God is for us. So let's read Psalm 91 from the King James Bible. Here's what it says. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Real quick, friends, in the Bible, when it talks about pestilence, that's talking about viruses and diseases. Verse 4, 
He shall cover thee with feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy rights at thy side, and a ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him, will I set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. We need to remember that our refuge is in the Lord, and there's reward for those who actually think and believe and feel that way towards him. There's reward for those who rush to his protection. And so we need to remember that. Well, let's dig into this book because it is five chapters long, uh, but it shouldn't take too long. Passover 2020. Could this be the year of the next great exodus? All right, let's just begin. And like I said, I hope this information blesses you. But please remember the disclaimer. The attention is not to date set or anything like that. I try not to get into that. It's just to raise questions. We will actually be talking about the rapture a little bit in this book, uh, which most of you listen to my podcast know that I try to stay away from that topic um, just because it brings so much malice and so much uh, fighting amongst Christians. And I just... Well, I kind of share my thoughts about that a little bit in the book. So, let's begin. Chapter 1, The Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover is one of several feasts God gave His people to observe and remember. These feasts are not just religious things to do. Rather, they are believed to point to Messiah. Every year when the feasts come around, I put myself on high alert. I wonder, is this the time when God will do something incredible? Most Christians today are confused about these feasts. They think they are just religious actions the Jews used to do during Old Testament times. Or worse, they don't know about the feast at all. Why? Because frankly, most pastors don't teach or know about them either. The word feast in Hebrew is the word moed, which more accurately means appointed time. These are the times and specific dates which God has ordained, typically to do amazing and important work in regards to his people. We can see these feasts laid out for us in the book of, of, the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. However, in this book we will only examine the Feast of Passover. As you read about these events throughout Scripture, remember, when you see the English word feast, it means appointed time. Let's take a quick look at the first few verses of Leviticus chapter 23, which reads, 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feast. Six days shall the work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their season. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread. Unto the Lord seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 8. When we see the phrase, Feast of the Lord, throughout Scripture, the more accurate meaning in the original Hebrew would be the appointed times of Jehovah. Yes, God is telling the Israelites to perform certain rituals and ceremonies and to have an actual feast, but more importantly, He is telling them to pay attention because these are His appointed times, times He has ordained and chosen in advance to do amazing works. In this short booklet, we will be taking a closer look and a deeper look at the Feast of Passover, specifically but not limited to Passover in the year 2020. I believe something prophetic could be happening to our generation right now. We need to open our eyes, minds, and hearts to this possibility and prepare ourselves for what is to come. Chapter 2, The First Passover In the book of Exodus, we read about the very first feast of Passover. The Hebrews were commanded to kill a lamb and to put its blood on the doorpost outside their house. Go inside and eat the Passover meal with haste. While they were inside eating the meal, God would then pour out his judgment upon Egypt as a plague would sweep through killing all the firstborns of Egypt. However, when the Lord would see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the Hebrews, he would pass over those homes, and the Hebrews would be protected, and the plague would not touch them. Now, this story is just littered with prophetic meanings and foreshadows which point to the Messiah and his death on a cross. We will examine his death as the final Passover a bit later. For now, let's look at the beginning of the Exodus Passover story and see if there is a prophetic meaning to be had for us right now. And so we're going to read Exodus 12, verses 1 through 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep from among the goats. You shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. 
and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and the staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Exodus 12, 1-12 What I find interesting is the part where they are commanded to be inside their house, to eat with haste. Not only eat with haste, but to be completely dressed with their shoes on and their staff in hand. Verse 11 reads, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You see, the Hebrews needed to be ready to leave Egypt at a moment's notice. They needed to be prepared and ready to answer the call. The judgment was going to come down on the Egyptians, and afterwards the Hebrews would be hurried out of the land and free from their bondage. This has great prophetic meaning for us today. Just like the Hebrews, we are to be ready. The Passover story is teaching us to take this posture, knowing the Lord could appear in the sky at any moment. This is why I believe it's important for Christians to memorialize the Exodus Passover story and to have a Passover meal while also being dressed with our shoes on and ready to go if the trumpet were to sound from heaven. Chapter 3 Passover 2020 a prophetic time? I'm not one to argue over rapture doctrine or attempt to predict the return of Messiah. I am, however, one to point out interesting signs and ask questions in order to get myself and others to think and consider our current situation. As I'm writing these words on April 4, 2020, we are only a few days away from Passover, which will begin on sun at sunset on April 8th. Please note, I'm aware there's some debate over the uh, the dates. Um, I'm just going with April 8th because it's the most commonly believed date for Passover for this year. Let me continue. At this very moment, the world seems to be falling apart around us. And Christians are faced with a very interesting, albeit frightening, challenge right now. Not just Christians, but Christians and non-believers alike. Nearly all of humanity. The situation we are facing is unprecedented. A virus is sweeping the plains of the earth and has caused great hysteria among the people. Although one might argue the government and media around the world are actually to blame for the mass hysteria. Either way, the hysteria exists. And most of the world is currently under quarantine orders from their government. This is a very frightening time because there seems to be no real end in sight. Each day the headlines and the predictions get worse. The reported cases and deaths continue to rise. There is much fear among the people. Not just fear of the virus itself, but of the fallout as a result of the virus. Many believe the world's economies will not survive a complete shutdown of nearly every industry. I fear they may be, they may be correct in their concerns. Others think that this will lead to complete social and economic collapse, which will then in return lead to a one-world government and the revival of the Antichrist in the biblical end of days. I can see how this is also possible. Time will tell. 
I'm personally praying for the miracles of God to be demonstrated around the world, causing great revival and a great awakening of the nations. I'm praying for peace, prosperity, hope, and joy to return to the earth. After all, what do we have if we don't have hope? We are left with nothing but despair. I say all this to point out a very interesting theme and maybe a prophetic meaning for Passover this year. For the first time, since the very first Passover in Egypt, all of God's people will be celebrating with just their immediate families, quarantined inside their homes to avoid the plague. There will be no church Passover gatherings, large seders, or synagogue gatherings. Even Israel, just like America and most of the rest of the world, is under lockdown. Stay-at-home orders. Essential travel only. At this moment, as I write this, we may only leave to buy groceries or to go to work if considered essential. This Passover will be in our homes with our doors shut, eating a Passover meal alone with our families. We are all praying and hoping for the plague to move on, to pass, and to not touch us or our loved ones. In addition, we are also praying for God and His mercy to bring an end to this sadness. I'm, remind, I'm reminded of a passage in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 20-21 through 21 reads like this, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut the doors about thee, and hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and, know, and shall no more cover her slain. Could there be something prophetic happening during Passover this year? I'm not sure about you, but I plan to dress nicely and enjoy a Passover meal. I will be remembering how God rescued the Hebrews out of Egypt and how the plague didn't come near those who had the covering of the blood. I'm going to eat it with my shoes on and my loins girded with haste. I'm going to prepare my heart for the possibility I might be called out of this land and brought to a land flowing with milk and honey prepared by God. A land flowing with the peace and the joy of Messiah, flowing with hope, light, and the Spirit of God. Chapter 4 Jesus, Yeshua, the Passover Lamb The Passover we read about in Exodus is also a great foreshadow to what the Messiah would do for the whole world. For anyone who would put their faith and trust in Him. Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was the Lamb without spot or blemish. His blood was shed for all of us so that God might pass over our sins and we might avoid his wrath. Much like the Hebrews and the much like the Hebrews had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts in the Exodus story, we too are covered by the sacrificial blood of Messiah. This is the completion of the Passover story. This is what it's really all about. It is about Jesus and his death and resurrection. It is about him becoming a sacrifice for all of us. Not only do we see the obvious foreshadow in the Exodus Passover story, but we see the prophets proclaiming it as well, and then being confirmed by the New Testament letters written by the apostles. In Isaiah we read, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah 53, 7. When John the Baptist saw Jesus on the horizon, he proclaimed Jesus was the Lamb who would take away our sins. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. John 1.9 John 1.29 
The Apostle Paul tells us to cleanse out the leaven, meaning sin, that we might become a new lump because of Jesus being the Passover lamb. He says, Purge therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5, 7-8 This theme runs through the Bible, making it very clear Jesus is the final Passover. He is the Lamb whose blood was shed for us, so that God might pass over our sins and His wrath will not come near us. I'm amazed at how few Christians know and understand the Passover story. After all, it's made very clear, even if you only read the New Testament letters. Paul even tells us in the verse quoted above to keep the feast. Which he says, again, 1 Corinthians 5.8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is simply because the feasts are rarely taught in churches anymore. Passover has been replaced with the religious Easter tradition. Now, I have no problem celebrating Resurrection Sunday or praising God for the raising, for raising Messiah from the dead. After all, it is because of his resurrection we now have hope that we will also one day rise. However, I do have a problem with paganism entering the church and Passover being forgotten. It is a great tragedy, and many Christians are missing out on the importance of the feast of Passover, its prophetic meanings, and foreshadows to the Messiah. Chapter 5 A Passover Resurrection As I mentioned earlier, I'm not one to argue over rapture doctrine. I'm not interested in debating whether the catching up of the saints is pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulations. I happen to think we're all a little right and all a little wrong. I prefer to keep my eyes on Jesus, Yeshua, with the expectation that he could arrive at any moment. There are countless examples in the Bible where Jesus warns us to always be watching and ready for his return. I recommend checking out my devotional book on the end of days. I go into great detail and spend the first seven days of the devotional talking about this very subject. You can find it at scriptureandprophecy.com book. In regards to the rapture or the resurrection of the saints, there is an interesting event which, often, which is often missed or overlooked, which, which took place on Passover during the crucifixion of Jesus. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 through 53. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabkathanani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent and twain from the top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. He came out of the graves after his resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. Did you catch that last verse? The graves were opened and the saints who had passed away arose? 
Now it appears they rose from the dead at the crucifixion and then physically came out of the graves and appeared to many at the Messiah's resurrection. I suppose the timing can be argued. However, either way, this took place within a three-day window of Messiah's death on the cross and his resurrection. My point is simply this. While we don't know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return or when we will be caught into the air to meet him, I can't help but wonder if it will occur during a Passover feast. After all, we just read an example of this happening during either the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which immediately follows Passover. There are many arguments which can be made for a rapture or a resurrection which would align with any of the feasts or appointed times of Jehovah. All of them make valid points. With that being said, they cannot all be correct, but they could all be wrong as well. I just wanted to stir a thought within us and make us more aware of the possibility for a second Passover exodus or even a catching away. Chapter 6 The Catching Away In regards to the rapture or catching away, there is one argument I am willing to debate. As I mentioned multiple times before, I don't want to argue over whether the catching away is pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. The reason being, I simply don't know for certain, and I don't want to make claims out of ignorance or for the purpose of protecting a favorite pet doctrine. I would rather take the position of humility and admit that I'm unsure. However, I will partake in one argument, and that is whether or not anyone believed in a catching away or rapture before the 1800s. There are those who claim the rapture doctrine is made up is a made-up theory which didn't exist until the 1800s. This is a ridiculous and quite easily refuted argument. First off, the catching away is very clearly in the scriptures. Let's look at what Paul told the Corinthians. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15.51-52 Again, Paul describes this event to the Thessalonians. But I would have not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus did, died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter, thir- chapter 4, verses 13-18 through 18. We also see an interesting description of the catching away in the apocryphal book of Second Esdras. This particular book was included in the 1611 King James Bible long before the 1800s. The book was later removed from the Bible in the late 1800s. So if we go to 2 Esdras, Esdras, and we read chapter 6, verses 22 through 25, we see an interesting thing. And suddenly shall the sown places appear unsown, and the full storehouses shall suddenly be found empty. And the trumpet shall give a sound, which when every man heareth, they shall suddenly be afraid. At that time shall friends fight one another like enemies, and the earth shall stand in fear with those that dwell therein. The springs of the fountains will shall stand still, and three hours they shall not run. 
Whosoever remaineth from all these that I have told thee shall escape, and see my salvation, and the end of your world, and the men that are received shall see it who have not tasted death from their birth. And the heart of the inhabitants shall be changed and turned into another meaning. For evil shall be put out, and deceit shall be quenched, as for faith it shall flourish, corruption shall be overcome, and the truth which hath been so long without fruit shall be declared. There are so many interesting thoughts in this passage. I can't help but be taken away by verse 22, which speaks to the empty storehouses before the trumpet blast. Especially as we are seeing these shortages begin to take place here in America and around the world right now as people hoard and panic over the virus, hysteria, and lockdowns. While an argument can definitely be made about the timing of the catching away, as is commonly known, the rapture, one cannot deny the existence of the event. Even so, let's address the root of the argument. The real question is, were there people who believed in a rapture event during the times of the early church? The answer is yes. We have examples and quotes from early church fathers who believed in this event. It was not made up in the 1800s. I will show you one example from Irenaeus. Irenaeus, A.D. 170. When, the end, when in the end that church will be suddenly be caught up from this, that is said, there will be tribulations such as not been since the beginning, nor will be. I do not know when this event will take place. Like others, I can only guess and speculate. I am also unsure of how it will come about and what it will look like. We can get some general ideas from scripture, apocryphal texts, and the early church fathers, but it still remains a mystery. Only the most prideful of believers dare to claim to have it all figured out. I want to just make a quick note. This quote, there's several. There's also other quotes. I think um, I think I have a book, the Book of Barnabas, uh, in my library here too, as well, which he uh, he even spells it out even more clearly. Uh, but Arrhenius is saying that the church will be caught up, and then there will be tribulation as such has not been seen. Or will be. Now, this doesn't mean that this is correct doctrine. The point of showing you this quote is just to show you that there was people before the 1800s who believed such things. As an example, Arrhenius wrote this, and it's very, we have manuscripts, it's very obvious, it's very clearly clear to, to, to prove, and that was written in, in 170. So, the 1800 argument, not a valid argument. One could still argue over the timing. And I admit to that, but you can't argue over whether people believed it before. Because I see that often. Oh, this was made up in the 1800s. It may have taken flight in the 1800s, but here's an example of someone believing it in 170. Doesn't mean Irenaeus is correct. It just means that people believed it. Alright. I have a short devotional to read for you to end this book. I pray that all this has been a blessing to you. I know this is a new style that I'm doing here, reading in, a, reading in an audio book format and, and sharing this information with you. But I had so many thoughts and I just wanted to make sure I got them all out and that they were all available. And I want to provide you with something that you could download and save and keep. Um, and so let me give you the devotional and then we'll wrap it up. Hard times have come upon us in the year 2020 and much is uncertain. We must remember not to be filled with fear, but to be filled with faith. 
we must not be filled with despair for the future, but with a great expectation of God's grace and mercy, if you know him and his son Jesus. May we remember the hope which is to be associated with the Feast of Passover. It is an appointed time of Jehovah, therefore expect miracles. Passover is a reminder for all believers that our sins have been covered, and we will be passed over when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. As it is written, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-10 Here's a short devotional. Let us remember, the feast of Passover is a spring feast. With the season of spring comes renewal and hope. The grass turns green and the trees begin to bud. The bright sun beats down on our skin, warming us and reminding us of better days are ahead. While the winter is harsh, hard, and cold, spring brings new life and a reminder summer is near. Be at peace, loved ones, and remember who your God is. He loves us. He has not forsaken us. He has not forgotten nor forsaken us. This Passover, put on your best clothing, eat a nice meal, including dessert. Rejoice in all that God has done for us and let us have a heart of thanksgiving. Put on your shoes and have your staff in hand, for we might be called to leave quickly. However, if this is not the case, let us rejoice nonetheless, for God has given us more time to bring in the harvest, more time to live for Him, more time to be grateful and thankful, and more time to be a salt and light to this hurting world. Habakkuk 3, 1, 3, verses 1 through 2. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shingonath. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And there you go. That is... The Passover 2020 book. I uh, pray it's been a blessing to you this blessing to you this morning. Again, remember the point was to raise the questions and to get people to focus on Messiah and to kind of get a better understanding of some of the prophetic meanings behind the Passover story. And I hope that I've done a good job of doing that today. Don't get caught up in the rapture stuff. Um, I'm just pointing out some things that might be worth thinking about. I'm not making any claims again. And I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but inevitably, inevitably, people will come to the comments and pick fights and start arguing and share their great wisdom. And all I'm trying to do is get you to think, not get trying to get you to predict. But I personally will be on high alert for Passover as I am for all the feasts. Um, we talk about this every fall for the Feast of Trumpets, high alert time. I just think there's something to God's appointed times, and it's worth paying attention, worth studying, worth hoping. And hope is something that we all need a dose of right now. Real quick, the 30-day devotional uh, has went through a title change. It's now called The End of Days, a 30-day devotional. I won't bore you with the reasons for the title change. It used to say The Last Days. I changed it to The End of Days. 
Uh, but unfortunately, coming with that change is my paperback version is on review lockdown right now until it gets approved by Amazon. So the only thing available right now is the ebook. I'm hoping that gets resolved today, but I'm not sure. Uh, so just be patient, and um, I'll do a video sometime this week uh, when it's available again, and we'll do another one of those audiobook readings uh, since I am working on the audiobook for that. But I just wanted to let you know you can still get it on Kindle paperback. Hopefully it'll be today, but should be within the next couple of days uh, to be available if you're we're looking to get the book and then you came here and you noticed there was no paperback. That's why um, it's currently locked in review. Um, and also while I'm showing you the website, just a reminder, everything is here. Uh, right here on the right hand side is all the podcast uh, archives. Uh, and it's always the most recent one. And moving back, here's uh, the email sign up where you get the free biblical Hebrew training videos that I've created. Here's where you can donate and support this work that I'm doing here, which is 100% listener supported. Um, and then you've got devotionals that I write uh, every other week or so. Uh, last week it was about the great spiritual challenge that we're all going through right now. The blog, books, podcasts, why we use the King James Version of the Bible. It's all here at scriptureandprophecy.com. All right. That's all I have for you this morning. I pray you've been blessed in the powerful name of Jesus, in the powerful name of Yeshua. Thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, your prayers. We're going to get through this uh, time. God's favor is with his people, even when it seems bleak, even when it seems dark. Um, and sometimes these events take place to, to cause us to draw even more near to God and to kind of peel the world away from us. And I've mentioned that several times, but, you know, sometimes when, sometimes when we have to change or God needs to mold us or, you know, like clay, it's, it's not comfortable. It doesn't always feel good, but it's for our good. And even if you take the position that this whole catastrophe, all this hysteria, the virus, all of it's just uh, man-made and it's made up and it's for all these evil purposes, even so, God will, you know, kind of like uh, some of the Proverbs in the scriptures claim that, you know, the wicked will fall into the own, their own ditch, right? Like they are, the wicked are digging, it's a picture of wicked people digging a ditch for the righteous, but then the wicked will fall into it themselves. And I believe that will be the case this time as well. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.